Welcome to the Mental Wellbeing Show, where we take a deep dive into the wonderful world of psychology and mental wellbeing. This episode is a really interesting chat with Dr. Emma Bradshaw. Emma is a postdoctoral research fellow at the Australian Catholic University and is a published author in a number of textbooks and academic journals. Her research focuses mainly on human motivation and our basic psychological needs, which as you can anticipate means that this episode is very applied given her topics are things that relate to every single one of us. Our conversation today focuses on the relationship between intrinsic and extrinsic life goals and psychological well-being. And given Emma published her thesis on this very topic, I feel she's very well versed to answer the questions I ask in this episode, such as, does money make us happy? And how can we escape the materialism trap? So without further ado, here is my discussion with Dr. Emma Bradshaw. So you obviously studied um, extrinsic and intrinsic aspirations and their relationship to psychological well-being um, in your thesis. So I'm wondering kind of if there's a personal journey as to why you chose that as a topic to dedicate, you know, four to five years of your hard work and blood, sweat and tears. Yeah, I think that's a question worth posing to anybody who's done a PhD, actually, because for the most part, there's a, a kind of funny, like a tongue in cheek belief within the field that what you become expert in, what you dedicate your life to researching for a couple of years is usually a reflection of what you struggle with. Um, and so I wouldn't necessarily say I, I struggle with extrinsic goals and materialism, but I did spend, I mean, I'm, I'm in my late thirties. Academia is my third full-time profession. Um, and I, that is because I spent uh, my twenties doing other stuff that I thought would like look and sound cool to other people, but that I ultimately found not very rewarding. Um, and so when I sought to explore correlates of well-being and the things that make people happy, I thought it's not what society uh, tells you or what you think is going to look good to others that you will ultimately find rewarding or satisfying. For me, in the end, I was like, I, I asked myself the question of what is the true path to feeling happy if it isn't impressing other people. And so that's how I came mm -hmm. to the study of intrinsic and extrinsic aspirations. Right. So you had to go through that journey yourself in terms yeah. of... Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, so I'm, I, when I was still at the beginning of a PhD, you tend to get a couple of months, if you're lucky, um, to just kind of ponder different ideas. And one of my supervisors, Rich Ryan, who's, um, who's, I mean, he's the creator of, of self-determination theory mm -hmm. and still my boss now, I was saying, oh, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do. And he said, Emma, what are you passionate about? What question do you really want the answer to? And I really wanted the answer to how you know what is good for you as compared to what media and society tell you is good for you. I wanted to explore that. And he was saying, well, I think gold contents theory is going to be right up your alley. And that's how that's where I ended up. Right. Okay. And no, interesting personal journey there. And when you say mm. gold contents theory and, and extrinsic and intrinsic aspirations, mm. can you maybe give us a bit of a, a picture as to, to what they are and define that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Within self-determination theory, which is a, a broader theory of, of wellness and motivation and personality and development, there are six mini theories. And one of them is gold contents theory. 
and it refers to the what of the goals we pursue. So it's not so much about um, the energy that you put into your goals, whether you do or do not pursue them. It's about Mm -hmm. what they actually are. The theory holds that there is a, a selection of goals that are in and of themselves inherently satisfying and good for you and other goals that may look and sound appealing and probably feel rewarding in a moment but um, are inherently contingent on the approval and feedback of other people um, and so don't have that that inherent rewarding quality. So that is juxtaposing intrinsic aspirations which are healthy and naturally need satisfying with extrinsic aspirations which are more materialistic and dependent upon the approval of others. Okay, and and in your thesis, you focused in particular on the kind of the consequences of having those extrinsic and intrinsic um, aspirations on psychological well-being, right? That's so, right. What, what are some of those yeah costs and benefits um, of having more of an extrinsic or more of an intrinsic aspirational profile? Mm, good question. Well, it sounds like a simple question. But actually, within the theory and the evidence that supports it, it's um, the content certainly matters, but what matters in addition is how you prioritise goals of different types. What I mean by that is there's not necessarily anything bad per se about pursuing something materialistic such as wealth or, um, or, or beauty. There's nothing in and of itself wrong with pursuing those goals. But if they end up taking the focus of your overall goals, your your overall goals and drive over things like maintaining positive relationships with other people, contributing Mm -hmm. positively to community, uh, growing and learning and developing new skills, if the materialistic goals crowd out those healthier intrinsic goals, the cost to your well-being is quite substantial. We've just... uh, We've just published a meta-analysis looking at the, the last kind of 40 years of, of exploring this, 30 or 40 years of exploring this question and found that about 25% of the variation in an individual's well-being is accounted for by the degree to which they prioritise intrinsic or extrinsic aspirations, um, meaning wow. uh, like a quarter of your well-being can be compromised if you're focusing on money and beauty and fame and power over caring and loving and growing. Yeah. Okay. So it's more nuanced than to, it's more nuanced than saying that having extrinsic aspirations is bad for you, right? It's, it's actually that ratio. And and as you said, the focus of extrinsic um, versus intrinsic, is that right? That that's more um, important for psychological wellbeing. That is a super important point because within Within this literature, there, there has been something of a demonization uh, of extrinsic goals in and of themselves, but it's entirely possible for you to pursue more materialistic, intrinsic, extrinsic things uh, for, for reasons that aren't necessarily bad. You might be pursuing wealth so that you can feel a sense of kind of um, security and stability in your everyday life. You might be pursuing a positive image so that you can maintain your sense of confidence and self-esteem. Uh, it's not that the pursuit of those goals, that those goals shouldn't feature in an overall pattern of simultaneous life goals. It's just that they can't be allowed to crowd out things that are more naturally satisfying or you will become dependent on feedback from other people as a response to your goal accomplishments 
rather than actually mm. experiencing the goals themselves as being rewarding. Yeah, I, I found that really surprising reading your paper. And if I'm honest, um, mm. prior to that thought that it would have been like a more um, just simply a case of a, a negative correlation mm. between extrinsic aspirations and um, and well-being. Was that the same for yourself before you, um, you know, um, went down the, the avenue of doing that thesis and that research? Did I think that there'd be a negative correlation? Yeah, and that it would be less nuanced than what you're saying it is in terms of the ratio and just purely, you know, more in extrinsic aspirations you have, the worse your psychological well-being, irrespective of the ratio of intrinsic aspirations. Yeah, at the time, I, I definitely was anti-extrinsic and materialistic <laughs> aspirations. I definitely thought they would be bad, but I have, I have come to, and not just accept from an evidence-based point of view, but qualitatively have a different understanding of the different functions of different goals. Um, and mm. I can see that there is some utility in, in striving for things that may on the surface look materialistic. I know that um, I've got some friends who are um, working really hard for money at the moment because they want to put money aside to send their kids to good schools because they live in a, in a not great area. So they're going to have to invest in good quality schools near where they live and stuff mm. like that. So I can see that there is some utility in it and that it's not all bad as I expected. Mm. So are there, it sounds like you're alluding to this anyway, but are there any contexts where having more extrinsic aspirations are better or is it only when, you know, you it's in order to achieve an intrinsic goal, for example, I know you want to buy a house in a particular area of Sydney to be close to family, for example, is that um, an example of perhaps when extrinsic aspirations could be useful for well-being? You know, so there's not actually been many good tests of when, um, uh, the context in which an extrinsic aspiration might be good. Um, there have been, and there were some in the kind of uh, mid-noughties, some people, some researchers theorised that what mattered was not so much the content of aspirations, but the degree to which the content of your life goals matched the values of the environment in which you found yourself. So, for example, they wondered if you were um, if you were studying an MBA, if you were doing business and you were learning how to make businesses profitable and so on. Uh, they wondered if you were surrounded with people who had that similar value set and you were learning about that kind of stuff, would people in that environment actually be better off if they were striving extrinsically rather than intrinsically? And there's not actually been any, any support for the, that was called the match hypothesis if there's a match between goals and environment. It was not found. Um, what appears to matter is the degree to which a goal of any type, intrinsic or extrinsic, serves your basic psychological needs. So this is another element of self-determination theory. It falls within its own mini theory called basic psychological need theory. Um, but And it is the heart, I, I think, of self-determination theory in general. Um, which holds and finds that human flourishing depends fundamentally upon feeling autonomous, so feeling volitional and like you are the author of your life and choices. You need to feel competent, so you need to feel capable and able, effective, and you need to feel relatedness. You need to feel connected to and cared for by other people. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is... It ha we have found that it is the degree of need satisfaction 
that a particular goal provides that dictates the extent to which it predicts or undermines well-being. So um, this is quite, this is sort of different from your question about environment or context, but more about function. So you mm. might be striving for, as I alluded before, you might be perhaps you were born uh, an individual is born into low socioeconomic circumstances, and that places a lot of stress and pressure up, upon them. And as a result, they strive to you know put every last penny into savings so that they can experience more. Uh, more confidence and ability in everyday life, uh, more freedom to do as they choose with their time and their money, um, striving for wealth to serve those fundamental basic psychological needs would arguably be beneficial. And on the flip side, it could also be possible for one to pursue something intrinsic, but for non-need satisfying reasons. Um, and that would undermine the extent to which that on the surface positive goal might promote well-being does that make sense i think so yeah so maybe we'll check my understanding so mm. if we the, the big question of you know does money buy happiness it sounds mm. like the answer is it depends on what you're using that money for and and same with any other extrinsic um aspiration is that right within goal contents theory it matters um not so much how you have it certainly mm -hmm. matters why you're pursuing it but it matters how that pursuit is kept in balance with stuff that is not extrinsic, that is not mm. materialistic. Um, so the question of does money, I mean, the question of does money buy happiness, I think has been um, fairly conclusively answered at the objective level. Uh, it is one of the most misquoted studies ever is the, um, the study that looked at the link between income and happiness. It mm -hmm. is widely touted that at about seventy or eighty thousand dollars, depending on the the national currency that you're referring to, um, that at at a certain point gains in happiness cease. So if you're mm -hmm. living below the poverty line, certainly earning more money will improve your well being. But uh, they say that at a certain point, seventy or eighty thousand, um, you cease to experience any additional gains in well being with additional gains in wealth that that it, it isn't it actually isn't true it would probably so i mean i i know less of uh, specific studies that look at, at upon which people spend their money i'm thinking about it more in terms of what it would be reflecting in terms of need satisfaction and motivational quality if you were doing less productive things with it i mean if you're earning if you're doing a bill and melinda gates and earning just relentless cash and donating it you know 95 percent of it to try and end poverty and disease in the world, my sense is they would gain a lot of well-being from the additional wealth that mm. they gain because they're contributing, they're using it to contribute so positively to reality. But if uh, one were to be earning it and gambling it away, uh, as an example, I would suggest that mm. uh, that would not be contributing to their well-being. Yeah, okay. That makes sense, to be honest, personally, in my own um, life, I remember it in my early 20s going out and buying a flash car mm. and a, a lot of it to be honest was if I really reflect um, internally was predicated on wanting to project oh. an image of you know I'm successful and, and whatnot yes. and I think that speaks perhaps to a lot of the reasons um, you know we do acquire materials is to perhaps you know make up for 
inner insecurities and to project a certain image? Absolutely. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's totally delicious to have external sources or external feedback on the quality of your personhood, on the quality of your, of your being and success in reality. And uh, some people believe that you need stuff in order to do that. And, of course, by some people's definition, you do. I mean, it's something, it's like the, uh, you may be familiar with the halo effect in psychology that people of increasing degrees of success are thought by other people to be increasingly confident. They're more confident, they're more friendly, they're more likable, they're more good. Um, And of course, success is uh, much easier to quantify to someone who, say, doesn't know you if you can say, has a mansion, owns a fast car, owns a multi-million dollar business. These are objective indicators of quote-unquote success that are easy to identify and therefore evaluate people upon. And the vast majority of people in society uh, fall prey to it. If people have this list Mm. of good things, um, objective good things, they are quote-unquote good. And yeah, again, I can certainly speak to that. And it seems like it's everywhere, especially in in Western society. You know, social media, you know, TV ads, mm. driving on the street. You see the the Beamers and the Mercedes Benz and and all that. Yeah. And you know, we're subject to this, you know, um, this influence of materialism everywhere we go. So oh, yeah, how do we, yeah, and and how do we escape mm. that, or how do we deal with that so that we don't fall into that trap of thinking that buying and acquiring more materials is going to augment our well-being. I think this is the next frontier of what materialism and goal content theory research needs to investigate. We know so far things that you can become aware of that are pressure that could be pressures in the environment that might be leading to one's extrinsic aspirations. So in the context in the context of SDT, we find that it's experiences of control and basic psychological need frustration. So um, mm-hmm. if your experiences of autonomy and confidence and relatedness are being actively undermined, so if people in your friendship circle are making you feel rejected, if you go to work and your boss makes you feel incompetent or you come home and someone in the home life makes you feel like you're not contributing meaningfully to the family, or if you just have... Um, external pressures in your life that make you feel like you're not in charge those kinds of things will undermine your need satisfaction and so you'll seek you'll seek supplementary things to make you feel like you're doing well um and extrinsic aspirations are kind of a uh it's not necessarily lazy it's a it's a natural default to want to look for stuff that on paper would make you feel good it's probably would account to some degree for what you were saying before about kind of wanting to buy a fast car um Mm. but so it's that really that evidence really only suggests that you can bring mindfulness around or awareness around the pressures in your life that may be conducive to your orientation toward materialistic stuff but there has been very little research and in fact I, I don't know of any research that has looked at what one what what an individual can do in and of themselves to rein in their own materialistic strivings um, Mm. other than, and and this is more an intuitive deduction from that which is out there, is to kind of bring us a sense of awareness around it. Am I, will this 
bring me satisfaction. What's what's tricky is a lot of the time uh, the gaining of an extrinsic aspiration can actually be super sweet in the moment. You buy a fast car, you drive it around, you feel great. Or, um, you know, you, you get a cosmetic procedure and you walk out of the beautician's office and you feel 10 times hotter than you did before you went in. Uh, mm. But ultimately that stuff is ephemeral and your fast car will eventually just become the Monday and everyday car that you get in to get you from A to B. And whatever mm. issue you had with uh, with the way you look will, you know, aging is, uh, is a natural degenerative process through which <laughs> those of us who are lucky to age or lucky enough to age will all go through. So these problems, uh, if people, if you want to call it that, will rear their ugly heads once again. And when they do, mm. when the car becomes boring, when the when your degree of beauty becomes a problem again, you don't have you don't have anything upon which to rely that will give you that consistent ongoing sense of security, um, mm. which something like having learned a new skill or built a new relationship would be inherently satisfying and uh, unlikely to have that same kind of expiry date. Mm. So you you mentioned mindfulness and mm. awareness of those external pressures. Do, do you think as well it's like about going even deeper and, and perhaps doing the inner work as to, to dealing with those internal insecurities, whatever they are, and, you know, asking yourself why is it that I do want that flash car? You know, what is it that, it, you know, my self-esteem or my self-worth or whatever it is is so heavily predicated on others' opinions of me? Yeah, I, I would hazard a guess that a strategy like that would be effective. The evidence that's the longitudinal evidence, and there is uh, not very much of it, that is out there in the goal content theory field has done less to get people to question why they strive extrinsically and more to encourage people to think about the benefits of striving intrinsically. Um, so getting people to think about the the benefits of, of orienting towards stuff that is more inherently satisfying and less materialistic rather than um, considering why you are in towards things that are materialistic. But uh, even if there's no evidence for it, I think it makes intuitive and practical sense that if one were to bring an awareness around why they're orienting toward materialistic stuff, if the answer to that question, if you can answer that question honestly within yourself as, you know, I, I want money so that I can provide security for my family or I, I, want, uh, I want a certain degree of notoriety in my community, of fame in my community so that I can, you know, politicians probably have, fame aspirations and some of them uh, that's a function of power and for others it's a function of um, mm. wanting to make a positive change in the world and so that's an example of how you might have an extrinsic aspiration but it could be as a result of something that is very materialistic or can have intrinsic underpinnings. Hmm. So yeah, on that right on, on augmenting your level of intrinsic aspirations what are some of those intri intrinsic aspirations look like i think in a couple of examples you mentioned you know the bill and melinda mm. gates donating to charity but yeah can you maybe color that in a little more as to to what an intrinsic aspiration looks like and how one can you know take steps towards augmenting that part of the um the ratio of extrinsic to intrinsic aspirations mm. well the four prototypical intrinsic aspirations are personal growth so strivings that one undertakes to learn and grow and develop within themselves. This is the kind of thing that uh, an, a healthy organism, of, of which humans are one, 
should always be striving for, uh, becoming better integrated with and more capable within the environment. Uh, Relationships is another one. So social connectedness is obviously tied to the basic psychological need for Mm. relatedness. So uh, focusing on building not necessarily a volume of relationships, but relationships that are of a certain depth and quality. Um, Contributing to the community. So this is in some of the research that I've done has been shown to be um, a particularly important node as far as well-being gains go. Um, so um, if you have a genuine aspiration to make the world a better place and you are working toward that, it tends to promote your well-being uh, quite quite strongly uh, as compared to other intrinsic aspirations. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth of the prototypical is the most controversial. Um, it's physical health. And the reason it's controversial is because it has been shown psychometrically to be sometimes intrinsic and actually sometimes extrinsic. But I I think that makes sense to me. I think some Mm -hmm. people strive for physical health because they want longevity and they want to feel vital. Other people are striving for physical health because they want to be thin um, and maintain Mm -hmm. a certain body ideal. That said, though, being physically healthy is just intrinsically good for you. Uh, so I think that situates it as, a, as an intrinsic aspiration, just fundamentally, even if you are doing it for um, a more aesthetic or vain purpose. There's, mm-hmm. um, we've done some research in the last couple of years also at, uh, quote, expanding the map of intrinsic aspirations, looking at whether uh, there may be more intrinsic and extrinsic aspirations that might array together. And we found that things like self-expression, so the ability to um, kind of pursue one's interests is obviously tied to autonomy um, and Mm -hmm. is an intrinsic aspiration. We also found something like mastery um, was an intrinsic aspiration and it has natural links to to competence satisfactions. Um, But your question was whether, um, wait, your question was whether Oh, I had it on the tip of my tongue just then. It, it was twofold, I suppose. It was um, what were the intrinsic aspirations oh, yes. and also how can um, people implement that in their life? Yes. So uh, they are the kind of, they're the, the prototypical examples, whatever those things would look like for you. But Bill and Melinda Gates are an example of what is a kind of, uh, at the moment, underground, but increasingly known movement called earning to give, which is... Uh. Um, from within, I don't know if you've heard of effective altruism. Mm, I have, yeah. You have, yeah, which mm. is uh, just, you know, most effectively spending every dollar for uh, the benefit of others. It uh, calculates things like quality of life um, and evaluates the extent to which each dollar donated to, for example, charity is mm. going to benefit the life of another. Um, and people who are earning to give are uh, rather than working for charities or getting jobs in government to, you know, result in positive change for people in the world are instead getting hedge fund jobs and striving to donate a vast majority of their income, uh, 50%, 80%, maintaining only 5%. And so that's an example of the interaction between um, intrinsic and extrinsic aspirations, how something that on the Mm. surface could look very extrinsic, um, uh, becoming a hedge fund manager or a millionaire uh, has actually intrinsic underpinnings. 
It reminds me of, um, I'm not sure if you heard of William McCaskill's yeah. 80,000 Hours concept. Yeah. So I read William McCaskill's book, uh, Doing Good Better, I think, which okay. is where was my introduction to effective altruism. Mm, I haven't read that, but mm. yeah, it might give it a crack. Is it, it, How do you then, having read that, having mm. seen the examples of um, Bill and Melinda Gates and others, how, how do you implement um, those four kind of key intrinsic aspiration domains in your own life? Oh, good. That's a good question. I mean, so I think I, um, I've never been asked that before. I, I am naturally personal growth oriented. I think I'd be crazy Mm -hmm. to be an academic and not be, Mm -hmm. um, prioritizing relationships is something that I, I'm, I strove to really focus like important relationships. I strove to really focus on after, having spent uh, five or six years working in, in magazine publishing, I found that I would focus on maintaining relationships that would um, result in promotion or feelings of popularity or feelings of coolness um, and have mm. since kind of recalibrated on um, the qualities of a good relationship and the things that you find genuinely rewarding. I luckily now live out in the mountains with uh, my husband and a little baby. So I have very few opportunities to spend time with anyone who would is a waste of my uh, personal time. You know, they're just uh, good investments of my, of my social engagement. Mm -hmm. I don't do as much as I would like to do in terms of community aspirations. Um, I did when I first learned about effective altruism did uh, was donating money to the, at the time, it was the Against Malaria Foundation was the most effective charity as oh, rated yeah. by uh, a foundation called GiveWell who evaluate mm-hmm. different charities. So I was donating to the Against Malaria Foundation, but then I um, I got into a PhD and I had no money and so I really need to get back into <laughs> doing something like that. Uh, and then physical health, uh, I have to confess, I, I might use the excuse that that's somewhat intrinsic and somewhat extrinsic to justify getting out of that, particularly as a pregnant person, I've done uh, far less Mm. physical activity than I would like, but I take vitamins and uh, I try to care. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It sounds like you've, yeah, you've come full circle yourself right after doing this research and, you know, made some really cool um, changes in your own life based off your, your research, which is awesome. I reckon that the, the, the best way to be compelled by research is to give it a crack. And mm. I have definitely found that focusing on things that are inherently satisfying is just the extent to which one is rewarding over the other is incomparable. Like I still like to buy, um, you know, a, a nice piece of clothing um, and I like to have savings in the bank and, and go on nice holidays and do stuff that is uh, more materialistic. And it's not that I don't enjoy that stuff. But it does, mm. there's, there's not a, a percentage degree to which it's the same or even remotely comparable to what you get in terms of reward and enduring satisfaction from learning and growing and caring about people and focusing on those who matter. In terms of people listening and them making changes, are there any like scales that you'd recommend or empirically validated measurements that people could use to get to ascertain their levels of um, or their ratio of intrinsic to extrinsic aspirations um, as it is now yeah you so you can google just the aspiration index mm-hmm. um, it's available on the self-determination theory website you may need to become a subscriber in order to access it but that's very easy to do and i highly recommend it anyway um, 
it is generally not used as an individual metric um, in the evidence. You know, for the most part, we're getting hundreds of people and we're talking about the average, but it will absolutely allow you to quantify a mean for extrinsic and a mean for intrinsic, and you can see which is higher. Okay. Aspiration index. The aspiration index. That's right. Okay, cool. So I think finally then, Emma, are there any like websites or social media you're on if people did want to follow your research? Because it is such an interesting and applied topic, at least in my own humble opinion. (laughs) Thanks. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm on all the things. So uh, you can find me um, on Twitter at Emma L, L for Larry, B-R-A-D-S. Uh, and the same handle on Instagram as well. Instagram mm-hmm. is uh, more personal, less scientific, and Twitter uh, more psychologically focused. Okay, awesome. Um, do you have any final comments or any kind of pieces of advice or guidance you wanted to, to give out to anyone listening? I would never be so bold as to give advice. Um, <laughs> but but I, I can, having spoken from my own experience, and I think I was already up on that soapbox a little bit, I... I have found my, in my own experience, irrefutable proof that uh, focusing on stuff that is thought to be good for you is just ultimately more rewarding in an enduring way than focusing on stuff that's materialistic. It is, it's incredible how if you manage to successfully let go of that. And um, the, the co-creator of this theory, so uh, Rich, who's my supervisor, and Tim Kasser, who is mm. an American, American researcher, uh, they did the original research on goal contents theory and Tim is now basically off the grid and on a farm with goats and he's very much ingested the non-materialistic lifestyle. I have not taken it that far, but I think he and I would both say that if you manage to ingest the values of goal contents theory, you'll ultimately be better off. 